0: It is Freddie Cruz, and I have made it my job to extract the stories of the individuals, the businesses, the organizations that make the greater Houston area great. His name is Mike Martin. He is an inventor. Check him out at coolingcurve.com. His story is nothing short of amazing. And during this episode, you're going to hear what it's like to live as an inventor, why you should view the world with your eyes out, and why everyone can be an inventor. Hi,
1: right, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katie Perry. This is your man Florida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ
0: Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Let's you go pick Mr. 305, and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie, and it's time to cruise through HTX. Let's begin first with your path to becoming an inventor. This uh, seems like something that maybe started when you were a little kid, or what got the wheels going? I think positive
1: reinforcement from my parents. Uh, I had very strict parents growing up, uh, all about school, grades, uh, discipline, which I wasn't too much of any of that. Uh, <laughs> I think I was the, one of the founders of ADD or ADHD or whatever, but couldn't sit still in my my chair for five minutes. And so uh, school was always a battle for me. But uh, I was always inventing at home and when I wasn't getting in trouble for Grades and misbehaving, I got a lot of positive encouragement from my parents that, well, one day you're going to be an inventor. And so now that I look back on it, I think that was uh, the positiveness that uh, turned me into an inventor. So I don't have any other reason why uh, I could have turned into
0: one anyway. What... What was the the invention that really did it for you as a kid? What did you make that gave you the that that boost of confidence? Like huh, you know what I might be able to do this for my entire life.
1: Uh, when I was eighteen, I was cleaning uh, cleaning yards, doing yard work up in Nacogdoches. and I had a company called. Uh, well, my saying was anything that comes with fall leaves with us, right? and so i would just go do any kind of yard work for people i mean i tilled up yards i didn't know what i was doing but yeah. i was always a hard worker so i could always figure it out and so uh but i cleaned a lot of gutters and my first invention would be the gutter guard that keeps the leaves from going in the gutters i didn't do anything with it cuz i didn't know how to proceed but i was 16 i guess 17 uh when we started doing the yard work, when I was 18, up in college is when I thought of that one. And now it's there everywhere, which is about how long it takes to get a product to market. <laughs> so, so, but no, I didn't have anything to do with that one. But that one was a, a good one that I've watched. Uh, edgy with a Bag, uh, that was a good one I've always wanted. You know, I just try to come up with things that help me do my job. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, again, there's there's always a better way to, to accomplish a task. And I try to find... Uh, the most productive and uh, at least strenuous as possible. So uh, with customer service always in mind.
0: I'm a big believer that everything happens for a purpose and we all belong in this current moment, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, I wish the internet were a thing when you were a kid because can you imagine if young 16, 17-year-old Mike Martin was – on TikTok with his gutter guard or with his first inventions and it's like some guy with some companies like I need that kid on my team yeah <laughs> <laughs> the path would have been a little bit easier for you <laughs> yeah yeah uh, boy that's a double-edged
1: sword there the internet when I was that age you know um. I I grew up in a in a great neighborhood here in Houston Southwest Houston uh, Sharpstown Braeburn Uh, Braeburn Valley is where I grew up. And again, it was just magical. And I'd like to say that that childhood and my whole upbringing is why I'm here now and why I do what I do. Uh, Because again, I've been blessed at every turn. I've had a lot of bad things happen as well. I've seen a lot of death. Uh, But at the same time, uh, it's all part of the ride. It's neither good or bad. It's just uh, part of the journey. And uh, I like paying it forward now just because I've I've had so many opportunities uh, given to me. So uh, again, it's the least I can do is uh, pay it forward. And plus, I you know get to do what I love to do. So because inventing is fun, and like you said, we are all inventors as we're all creators. You know, God Himself is a, the main creator. He he creates stuff that we can't even come close to. But uh, but we do a, a pretty incredible job inventing. And so I like to think that we're all artists in some. Fan of some form or fashion. So.
0: Yeah, and we met, we met a couple of weeks back through one of my podcast production clients, Dorothy Gibbons at the Rose Breast Center of Excellence, and you had mentioned something about why everyone can be an inventor, and it really got the wheels going. I've been thinking about that ever since, uh, because when you think of inventor, it's you think of the cooling curve, which is the, the wine bucket that you have that I want to talk about. You have the, the weighted scrub brush. And so these are things that the tangible things that some, that you created with your mind and your hands. And so when somebody sees an invention, they're like, well, I can't do that. But you think, no, you're wrong because you can. <laughs> so why why is it that everybody, even some someone that did not very good in school like me, can be an inventor, be a creator of sorts?
1: Well, it's because the only thing to get way to get it done is to get it done, and we can all do. So uh, the hardest thing that I learned, I guess, was. I didn't believe that I could do it. And so I kept asking everybody to help me and no one would help. And so if you want to get it done, you have to do it yourself. And so once you start doing it yourself, you start getting the confidence that you can go to the next level. And so it just starts to build on itself. So, Uh, I would say the biggest thing that stops everybody from inventing is fear that I can't do it. And if you just get that past you and just say, all right, well, I'm just going to go do it. Let me just go build a prototype. Oh, I don't know how to make one. Well, just make it, make it out of paper, make it out of cardboard, make it out of anything, but make something because when you do that, you made something and that's a start. And that's how you do it is one foot in front of the other at all times. And when you do that, you end up somewhere and Again, it's not about the, the journey. I said that earlier. It's it's all about the the path that you go. Uh, it's not that the destination, as I meant to say, but it's all about the path because uh, it's a riot. I mean, it's an absolute riot. When you get people, I had an owner-operator at McDonald's. I was I don't know, seven years into uh, working with McDonald's on this weighted scrub brush and finally got to some insurance side of it because we reduced the uh, slip and falls from uh, – dirty, uh, dirty floors. And this guy called up from Arkansas, Herb Hutchinson, and he uh, asked me to come up. He said, I'm going to test your product. Everybody wanted to test a product, no matter how many McDonald's I was in. I was in 2,500 McDonald's. Well, I need to test it. <laughs> Never quite understood why we're still testing a product that works, but uh, that was just one of my hurdles I had to, to go through. I so, but anyway, he had me come up, and he says, uh, come up to cross it and when you get there, I won't be there. I'll be coming in from out of town, but I'll be there either late night or tomorrow. Uh, the key's underneath the mat, and an owner-operator of eight stores left me the key to his house and told me to come in and make myself at home, and he had never met me before. That was one of the biggest moments in my life. I could not believe that someone would do that, and That's kind of where it all started. I was well into knowing that I wanted to market through uh, Goodwill and do a lot of good with my products. I knew that. But uh, when people started doing that for me, then it just solidified that I was on the right path and we're going to make a difference.
0: Something that you talked about before we began recording the episode was viewing the world with your eyes out. And I love that. You've got a coffee mug, fully functional. Of course, I would expect nothing less from an inventor, but it's a fully functional coffee mug. Hashtag, they run in, but you talk about viewing the world with your eyes out versus viewing the world with your eyes in. So can you expand on that? Yeah, uh, I'm an addict, Uh, have been as long as I can
1: remember, Uh, and About In 2017, I was really having some struggles. I was working at Gary Furniture, uh, very high stress. I just uh, sold my heavyweight scrub brush company because my doctor said I need to quit or I'm going to have a heart attack. So I had a stint put in and they told me to back off. And again, I had been fighting the, the heavyweight for about 20 years. And I don't say fight, but it was a challenge because I'm fighting, you know, $15 billion a year companies and I'm going in there and saying, you don't need them. And so there was a lot of resistance on that. Uh, you know, we'll get it one day and it's still coming. I'm you know, still building heavyweights 27 years in. So, uh, But the the eyes out, I was actually in rehab and uh, my counselor, who was ours, our third patient or uh, client or whatever they're called, uh, but she came up to me and she said mike when your eyes are out uh, you're helping others when your eyes are in you're focusing on yourself And that just made a lot of sense to me. And since then, I've kind of adjusted a little bit because when your eyes are in, you're watching your movie. And when your eyes are out, you're watching God's movie. And uh, The fun is in God's movie because I know my movie is nothing but nonsense. So I'd (laughs) I'd, 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 I'd much rather uh, watch his movie because, like I said, my movie, uh, my God, he... It's a crazy person inside there. So, but, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, when my eyes are out, that calms everything down, slows everything down, and, uh, you know, really helps me. So, eyes out is probably one of the best lines I've ever heard. And,
0: uh, yeah, I heard that in rehab. Something else that I want to talk to you about, and you did touch on this a little bit, is that you want to use all of what you're doing in life to pay it forward. And something that you do with the Rose and numerous other charities is, uh, this yacht club program that you do. And it was all started because of this beautiful little girl that I met when I met you and her name is Emma. She is your granddaughter. So can we talk about Emma and the genesis of the story and what you're doing, um, to help children with cancer? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's,
1: God has a plan, and you know, I'm just uh, uh, finding my way uh, in his plan because again, uh, you got to watch for it. and when I went into rehab, it, and I've almost found that when you give in to your higher power, you give in to and it's not give in, but it's just reach out for help. When you when you're doing it with a pure heart, it's almost like they give you opportunities. Right, it's like all right, well, well done. You know, here's one to keep your mind on. <laughs> and so and so, I don't know if that's true, but it's happened to me twice now. One was the heavyweight, and the other one is the the cooling curve. So two events, big events in my life, and both of them came with products attached to them. So don't know if that's God or what, but I have to assume it is. So, but yeah, I was in a lot of trouble. Had uh, heart disease, and just had heart surgery and uh, three shoulder surgeries from some hospice tours that I was helping my in-laws, and they kept falling. I kept catching and kept blowing up shoulders and got stung on pain pills and got my blood pressure really jacked up. And then Emma was born with a knot on her chest, and uh, that was just a a moment that I just had to really check myself in and get myself taken care of. And that was a whirlwind. That's where it all happened. I checked myself into rehab, and the next 10 days— all sorts of things happen to me besides getting better uh, or learning how to cope with my uh, my addictions and stuff. But the people that I met, Lawrence Mayer, who uh, was a kid that got the sailing all started for me, uh, Evan uh, at sail time, which is a, a more feasible way to do boats. But uh, and then the cooling curve. I invented the cooling curve all within ten days. So uh, of Emma being diagnosed with cancer. But what the mission was was to take cancer kids sailing in Galveston Bay, Galveston Bay free of charge, and the wine bucket was going to pay for it. And uh, when I came up with all that, it I just I knew it was possible. We started putting things together within three weeks of rehab. I had a sailboat that we were sailing on, and within six months out of rehab, we had. Uh, 2500 finished product cooling curves in our garage and started selling them. And we had probably already taken, I don't know, 10 people sailing uh, with our program. And now we've, you know, now (laughs) I just went through all the pictures. Uh, Dorothy asked me to come up with pictures uh, for y'all. And I had to go through 10,000 pictures from my sailing. (laughs) And I got down to 2,300. Now I'm down to 600. And These pictures are magical. I mean, they're just amazing photos. So, uh, again, it's the whole thing that happened. It all came from, I don't say tragedy because there's, it's just, it's life. I don't know. Uh, Some things hurt, some things don't. But uh, Emma was by no means a tragedy. She's been nothing but joy. It's been nothing but magic. And uh, the things that we've accomplished, the things that we're going to accomplish uh, as you see Emma grow and we sell more wine buckets and we you know we help people with sailing all around the country. We do it here in Houston, but there's no reason we don't do it wherever there's a sale time or uh in fact when we were at our this event with you when we were auctioning in the boat, uh mm, the shrimp boil. Yeah, the shrimp yeah. boil, yeah. And uh I've always known that I'm not the only one doing this. There's people all over that will help with boats, right? So we did our We did the sailboat. We raised, I think, $4,800 for the cause. But then at the end, someone chimed in and said that he would offer his fishing boat to take people fishing. And they raised another $1,200 just from that last-minute addition. The guy said, hey, well, I can take people fishing on my boat. (laughs) And that proved my point that... We're all again. We just kind of got our, ourselves off track a little bit. Everybody wants to help. Everybody wants the same thing, and so that's my message: is that we can invent anything we want. We can, you know, we can be whatever we want, and we can do whatever we want. And so, but you just have to believe in
0: that and you know, believe in God, and we'll find our way. What you're talking about sort of reminds me of an Adam Smith quote, and I forget the book. But it's uh, everybody wants to love and be lovely and not be lovely from a cosmetic standpoint, but to be love, but to be lovable, to be to everyone. Everybody wants to be loved.
1: Mm -hmm. I believe that. I mean... I just want to live in goosebumps. I'm telling you, I love goosebumps. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, you'll yeah, you'll see me a lot looked down at my arms because uh, that's when we're that's when we're doing it's it. when we're having goosebumps and you give goose, you get goosebumps when you give or and like I said you see it on American Idol. I love American Idol just because that's yeah. God shows up there all the time and. uh you know, God and confidence and all that. So, uh, yeah,
0: goosebumps, yeah. happy helping. Yeah. Some, yeah, something else we were talking about, and I haven't seen American Idol in a long time. And I come from the top forty radio world, where it was kind of sort of our job to watch shows like that and talk about the the underdog who would come up from their bedroom and singing into a brush, and now they're performing in front of millions and millions on worldwide television, and and um. Our conversation before then really got it, it got the wheels turning about yeah I mean this is something that it, it people really learn what they're capable of doing when they're just given a shot mm-hmm. you know when they're just get when they have that right little nudge and it could be from a mom or a best friend that's like hey yeah you know what Mike. You, American Idol is going to be in town and I know you like to sing and you sing pretty good. I'm not going to BS you. You sing pretty good. You should give it a shot. And then Mike is like, you know what? You're right. And I'm going to go and stand in line. And maybe that was the nudge that it took. And that little nudge made you go stand in line. And then you got in front of the judges, or I'm sure you have a whole bunch of different gatekeepers before you get to perform in front of the judges, but you get from one gate gatekeeper to the next, to the next, to the next. And now you're singing in front of the, the judges and then you make it to Hollywood. And then from Hollywood, you make it to the, whatever the next rounds are. I'm sure the process has changed since the last time I've seen it. Um, but yeah, it's, that's all you need sometimes is just a little nudge from, from the outside world and you just have to believe the signs, believe that the nudges are are good or what necessary steps to, to take to accomplish yeah, something yeah. beyond what you could ever dream up.
1: Well, uh, not watch a movie in your head. Watch the movie that's happening in front of you with these people helping you. And if you do that, you grow if you just don't get, let your mind get in your in your way. Because the whole time, you're going to be saying, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. When, in fact, people are saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And uh, just you know, watch the movie that—watch uh, God's movie, and uh, he'll let you do it. Because, again, even singing, as hard as it is, it's just practice. Even quiet in your mind, all we have is time. Oh, I don't have time to quiet my mind. Your mind's inside your head. You have nothing but time to quiet. <laughs> That's all you have, actually. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, again, if someone doesn't like your product, you can't go remake your product, right? I mean, your product's your product. But if your product's singing or writing, all you got to do is go in that bedroom and sing, go in the shower, sing, go in the, you know, write, do whatever. But the more you do it, the better you're going to get. The more the better you get, the more comments you're going to have, the more comments you have, the more chances you're going to take, the more chances you're going to take, the more opportunity you're going to get. And, you know, things are just going to happen. But, uh the greatest logo of all time, I think, is just do it because there is nothing truer than that. Just go do it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You still learned. You yeah. Know, so
0: yeah. And don't quit. And I've listened to enough entrepreneur <laughs> podcasts to know that the only real failure in life is stopping. And can you imagine if you Stop after only one or two no's or whatever, whether you're an inventor or if you're an entrepreneur that's starting your first business, may or may not be talking about myself. But, you know, I go back to an author whose name I cannot remember for the life of me, but I talked to him last year. Maybe his name will will come up in my memory after I tell the story, but he got rejected by 50 plus agents before somebody finally took a shot on him. Yeah. And sometimes you're just one no away from changing your life. And in this context we're talking about an aspiring author, but this could be someone who's selling for a corporation, it could be somebody who's doing yeah. sales for their own small business or whatever and it's like if you just if you give up you're absolutely doomed to failure.
1: Oh yeah, no it
0: de- <laughs> it definitely doesn't
1: happen if you quit, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt about that, and you know what is so funny, you know, it goes back to I had the greatest parents on the entire planet i mean i we all do right we 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 say we do believe we do, but uh, my parents loved and helped me, but at the same time they said some things that are very damaging to me, I thought. And one was, you're a quitter. My dad used to hmm. ride me about being a quitter because I quit playing. <laughs> I quit playing guitar when I was nine years old, and that same year I quit playing football because football to me was ridiculous. It hurt. <laughs> 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 I was always, always always little, so I was always hurt. But it was, I just didn't quite understand football. Loved baseball, basketball, track, loved all that. But and you know, we had to play football, and football hurt. So. Uh, But I quit for uh, up until my junior high days. But through elementary, I didn't play fun football. Uh, And so my dad called me a quitter. And it it bothered me for many, many, many years. But uh, 20 years into the heavyweight, my dad you know, they were all saying that 10 years I needed to quit, and I would not quit. And so I'm still doing it 27 years
0: later. You told me I was a quitter, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) You told me, and I'm doing what you didn't want me to do. (laughs) Isn't it
1: funny how life works out? And that's why I say everything's planned, be it good or bad, because if my dad wouldn't have said that, I would have quit. No, No doubt. I mean, the odds are against me in this scrub brush. I mean, they're just impossible, but... We will win because you know the floors in this country are filthy, so but that's for another day, but yeah, uh, but one day we will win that, and it's all because my dad called me a quitter, and I won't quit now, so um uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you cannot write this stuff is all I, is all I know so uh, but yeah, and again. To me, it always seems like you're always going to quit right before you make it anyway, right? So you can't quit. It's darkest before the dawn, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, again, you just got to keep going because I call it living life on a light switch. You know, the key is to be ready when something happens. You, you can't be you know, with your head in the sand or anything like that. You have to be ready when the opportunity arises. And living life on a light switch is you're in a position that anybody that you meet could go, click, it's on. And you're mm-hmm. ready to go and, and again, and that's in a moment's notice and uh, you know I've been doing this for my whole life, and I have manufacturing we're you know we're ready to go, so one day we're going to meet that one person that's going to you know flip our switch and off we go, and we're going to make a, a huge difference and uh, give people some quality tools at work last and make a difference
0: I want to go back to your struggle with addiction because you have been quite you've been very forthright in the interview that I saw beforehand and now you mentioning it now so what would be your advice a two part question your advice for somebody who's battling who's battling an addiction of any kind and then your advice for their family members oh. uh for someone going through it
1: lighten up on yourself i mean we i am so hard on myself and you know people come and my parents used to yell at me or brothers disappointed in you or wife disappointed kids disappointed well <laughs> believe me i'm more disappointed in myself than y'all ever be so again <laughs> really doesn't matter right uh because I'm the hardest one on myself, so, and that goes back to quieting your mind. Just, you know, we're not taught to quiet our mind. I never knew anything about it until I was in rehab, and um, my counselor told me to uh, don't think about anything outside these fences. And when I started doing that, that started, I guess, shortening what I could think about. I guess so. Again, I was mo's diagnosed with cancer on my fifth day there. And again, everybody thought I was engulfed at deep end. Well, to me, it kind of helped me because now someone I knew had a bigger issue than I did. So uh, it's kind of get the focus off yourself, Mike, and let's go take care of Emma. And so, uh, but she told me, don't think about anything outside the fence, including Emma. And I did that. So for my next 20 days while I was in house or 14 days, I guess it was, uh, I wouldn't think if anything came up outside those fences, I'd stop it. And once I started doing that, I started realizing that I could manage what I was thinking about. And that, you know, some things happened a couple years later, some books that I got. Uh, but, yeah, you know, once I learned that I can start quieting my mind and not uh, obsessing on things, that really helped. And again, I said it earlier, go to the nose. And There's breathing things that you can do to where when you breathe in and out through your nose, you feel where that is. And once you focus on that, you're not thinking about anything else. And, hell, just breathe. And then you're not thinking about <laughs> the bills, <laughs> the struggles, or anything. And at least it's some peace. Yeah. You know? And so uh, when I drive, I don't drive with the radio on anymore. Uh, I just drive uh, to drive— it. When you're driving, you're in the now anyway because you're driving, right? So you have to be in the present. But you can take it a little bit farther. And I'm telling you, I drive around this town now, and it's <laughs> it's magical. I love I love driving without the radio on now just because, you know, I, I came up with this line the, the other day. Because uh, when you're in the present, it's boring. And I guess that's why we always look at phones and things like that is to keep our minds going, right? But when you quiet your mind and you get into the, the present, where God lives, where where God plays, or i like to say. But when you're there, there's just a peace there. But let's say I go to work every day. I'm driving the same thing. It's always the same, but it's not. It's never the same. Nothing mm-hmm. is ever the same. So you might be bored with the sameness, but... In fact, if you're really paying attention, there's nothing the same whatsoever about the day, the minute, the the last time you went down that path. It's always changing. So,
0: yeah.
1: so as we uh, stay the same, we're actually different. So, kind of butchered that, but
0: I <laughs> know <laughs> I thought it was lovely. No, no, that's great. Um, and what would you tell family members? Uh, that's
1: a that's a tough one too. And I've I've Talked to a few. I've met through my cancer journeys that we've had because uh, addiction's everywhere, just like cancer. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Uh, just that they're not doing it to hurt the family members. Again, I, I wasn't. I I love my mom more than anything on this planet, and she seemed to be, and my wife. They were. They seemed to be the biggest brunt of my dumb decisions or my addictions. And it wasn't meant to hurt them. I was too busy hurting myself and uh, trying to self-sabotage or do whatever. So uh, the last thing that was on my mind was uh, hurting other people when I'm kind of self-bent on hurting myself. So uh, so I would just say to the moms out there who are the greatest people on the planet, is uh, it's not about this. It, they're not doing it to you. They love you, and they appreciate you. And, <laughs> Will do anything for you, but they're kind of grabbed right now and they're having a hard time. But it uh, doesn't mean they're good or bad, it just means that they're uh, going through something right now and uh, they'll find their way. Let's hope.
0: The cooling curve, and this is the, the tool that we're using to help cancer kids. You've got Emma's Cruise for children taking a cruise down uh, through Galveston Bay. And it's something that I, you think about all the thousands of years of humanity, and nobody thought of this. Mm. <laughs> nobody thought
1: of this. Yeah. That's that, that's that God thing, because again- It really is. Yeah, no, I was- uh, But thousands of years, Mike. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> and again, I was in my my second week of rehab, and- we just went and looked at boats, Lawrence and I did. I got the,
0: and Lawrence. I'm uh, sorry, that's the kid you met in rehab. Yeah, the kid I met okay. in rehab. Yeah, who
1: was a, a sailing instructor, a silver medalist in sailing, a, a Baylor graduate in theology. He is 22 years old. Uh, played baseball, and again, rehab's a, you know it's a, it's an interesting place just because we're so in our heads when we get in. Uh, you know, lovely things happen there. Great people go through there. It's a, it's an amazing journey, but it's hard. I mean, it's just, it's very hard just because of all the preconceptions or whatever we have on it. But I went in there and I saw this kid and uh, he, came, he came over to me. Hey, you want to play cornhole? We are on break. I was like, get away from me. I don't want to deal with anybody in rehab. So uh that was my first day. Uh, the next day came in wearing a Baylor shirt and and Next day, a sailing instructor shirt, and I started piecing together who this kid was. And uh, we had an art class, and they said, what are you going to do when you get out of here? And I said, well, I'm going to get with that kid, and we're going to take cancer kids sailing in Galveston Bay. And everybody thought we were crazy. But the next week, Lawrence and I went and looked at boats. Well, boats are two, three, four hundred thousand dollars I'm $400,000. I'm in
0: rehab. I don't have They're not cheap, <laughs> especially for you at the time. Yeah. yeah and, so,
1: and I had only been sailing one other time uh, with my oldest stepson's friend in San Diego we're in a little tiny boat and I was scared to death thought this kid was going to drown me so uh, it was a a short sail but you know I enjoyed it but never really thought about it after that until Lawrence in rehab Uh, then we went and looked at sailboats like I said super expensive Uh, the next day I went down to Galveston to see my dad again I'm in rehab. So dad was, he was glad that I went to rehab and got myself, you know, fixed. I was working on myself, but they were still, you know, what are you doing in rehab? So uh, needless to say, when he asked me to go to lunch, I did not mention anything about this sailboat experience that I was going to piece together for. <laughs> uh, old Dave Martin would have killed me right there. So I just was minding my own business. I just went there, but he does go, we go into Nate's down in Galveston. He Billy's, Billy's up to the bar where you put your kid in rehab is at the bar, right? And so the bartender came and put a bucket down, put the bottle in it, and put the, uh, put ice on it. And I looked at it, I was like, well, that's not going to work. And my dad looked at me, and he goes, what's that? And I said, that wine bucket. He's like, who cares? And I said, well, I think I'm about to invent something. And he had been with me with the heavy weight. So he was like, oh, God, here we go. He's already in rehab. He thinks he's could solve the, the, the world. So... Uh, But I said, no, wait a minute, Dad, watch this. And so the bartender took it over to the table, pulled the bottle out, opened it, poured it. And then I said, watch. And he tried to put it back in. He couldn't get it. He's a girl, actually. He couldn't get it back in. And I was like, right there. And I got a pen and a paper, and I drew it. It took me two seconds. And the Dad kind of smiled and went back to eating. But right then is when I pieced it together that it was God because here I am trying to figure out a way to come up with money to pay for a sailboat. Again, I'm not asking my dad. And so, and here comes God and he knows I invent things. That's what I do. And here comes God puts a problem in front of me that I drew a solution to that was pretty dang good right then. I mean, I knew it right then that wait a minute, you might, He might have something. And so I did the numbers. I was like, all right, well, how many, what do we need? 20 million wine buckets. You make $4 a piece off a wine bucket. That's, you know, $80 million. Well, I don't need $80 million. Hell, you give me two, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That'd help a lot of people. I know. So but yeah. I, the I looked at it is you give me, you know, make sure my wife gets taken care of, but the rest of the money, because the market's so big, and again twenty million is nothing, you go around the world, we're talking hundred million
0: buckets. I mean how many wine buckets are there? If you look at how much the global economy is worth, like tens of trillions, yeah. this is yeah. Chump change. No,
1: yeah. So I yeah. mean so again, I just I figured, well, I hey, had you know twenty million wine buckets, thirty million, again, we just we can because the product's so big, we could really make a difference. And then I started putting, well, wait a minute, it's all about celebration. So if we celebrate, if we hold a glass and we celebrate and some of the money's going to help others in the struggle, wouldn't that be cool? Because yeah. again, when you're using a wine bucket, you're always celebrating, right? And so during your celebration, when your glasses are raised and your drink is cool or cold uh, and you're you're celebrating, let's uh, give thanks and know that uh, some of your hard-earned dollars that you gave to us for our product is going to go out and make a difference. And uh, now, I mean, it's been a struggle taking a product to market, but, uh, and I've made some, not mistakes, just uh, got myself into some things that didn't quite pan out, but at the same time, uh, positioned us where we are now for it to happen, I guess. So, uh but when we get going, it's not going to be just about sailing. It's going to be about everything. I mean, what do they want to do? When I was working for Guy Furniture, we had a Hellcat, and I would take the I would take uh, builders to the racetracks and run there. I mean, if someone has cancer do doesn't want to do sailing, we'll take them to the racetrack. Mm-hmm. They want to jump out of an airplane, I'll push them out of an airplane. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, if they want to go skydiving, I guess it is. So. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah. so everything that we invent from here on forward, this coffee mug and the T-shirts, the sayings, uh, that's all going to go into our capitalism to cause. We're going to generate money to give to charities that
0: uh, make a difference. So. Mike, I really appreciate you meeting up with me for this interview because your story is one that's got to be shared with as many people as possible. It really, it really, really, um, It really drives home the point that anybody can— can do anything as long as you set your mind to it and you get out of your head and you execute, you know, um, it's really easy to find yourself inside your head and doubting yourself and telling yourself that you can't do it and that you'll never get from point A to point B. Who are you? Who do, who the hell do you think you are? You think you're going to get from zero to one? You're not mm-hmm. sit on the couch and watch Netflix and call up with a bag of Cheetos and a six pack. Yeah. yeah, and it's really easy. It's really easy to do that. But I love your story and I've been a, I've been a fan ever since I met you. So, really appreciate you meeting me here for this interview. And a shout out to Raul and William from Charlie Mike the podcast for loaning us this space. It's the Pearland podcast studio off of West Broadway. So, you guys got to check them out too. Check out their podcast and um if you're looking to For a space to record your very own show, look no further than the Pearland Podcast Studio and Mike's website, coolincurve.com. Coolin, not cooling, but coolincurve.com to find out uh, what Mike's got brewing, what he's got coming up. My man, thank you for coming by the podcast. You bet. I definitely appreciate it. And if I could say one
1: last thing about, you know, I've... I've had every opportunity, I said this earlier, from my parents to where I went to school, just absolutely everything. And if I'm having the struggles that I had, I can't imagine someone that has real struggles. And so that's what I try to get out there because we can do, even the people with the best situations have the same thing. We're all (laughs) all the same. We're all in our heads. Doesn't matter how good we're faking it, we're all in our heads. And so... Uh, the key is to let everybody know that, uh, we can get out of our heads, all of us. So, but yeah, glad to be here. Thank you very much.
0: Hey, you're not going to make it through the entire episode without me reminding you once again, that if you enjoy this podcast, you can help me grow the show by leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and by signing up for the newsletter I can guarantee there will be free stuff involved at some point before the end of summer. So if you want to get in on some freebies, you can sign up at cruzthroughhtx.com. C-R-U-Z through HTX.com.